Hey guys, before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that doors are now open for our signature accelerator program. We are doing a major deal for this promo period where you get Critical Care Academy's CCRN review course absolutely for free as a bonus if you join us before May 4th. Our signature program is special because it's a one-time investment for lifetime access. There are no recurring fees. We want you to start this process early. So if you're in nursing school or if you are just starting the school search process, this is absolutely perfect for you. We walk you through picking schools, writing your resume, making sure you have all those boosters to make you stand out. We've got over 20 hours of video lessons along with an entire downloads vault of swipe files and templates. And of course, over 50% of the program is interview prep. We have five on-demand mock interviews. And then of course, a huge part of this is every month we have office hours where you can bring your questions and get answers. We have essay office hours with our expert developmental editor, Dr. Diane Katie. We have group mock interview practice labs, ad hoc guest speakers like SRNAs and other faculty. It really is a comprehensive program. And once you are in, you are in for life. You can head to the crnaclub.com to check it out. And again, the CCRN review course as a bonus, that ends on May 4th. So if you are on the fence, shoot me a DM at the CRNA club. I am hanging out there. But otherwise, let's jump into today's episode. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the CRNA club podcast. We have a special guest for you today. Anna, she is a graduating nursing student who is going straight into the ICU, and she has lots of good tips for how to land that new graduate ICU position. I just wanted to give you a little heads up that my microphone was being a little fuzzy, prickly, poppy um, in the beginning, but it clears up after about a third of the way through. So stick around. It There's a lot of good information in here. All right, let's get to it. Hi, Anna. Welcome to the CRNA Club podcast. I'm actually really excited to chat because this is my first guest podcast episode. So yeah, Yay. Anna's raising, raising the roof over there. <laughs> so Anna is one of our accelerator students and she is in nursing school about to graduate. So congratulations for that. And she is such a go-getter. You are just Really, and we were kind of chatting before the show started, but I I really do admire your grit and determination. So we are so lucky to have you part of the fam, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So today, I just wanted to bring you on and talk about something that you are really well-versed in. This topic is, I think, something that a lot of people struggle with. Particularly, we're going to be discussing when you are graduating from nursing school, how to land that coveted new grad ICU position because when you are graduating nursing school and you're trying to think about what is the quickest timeline for me to get into CRNA school if you are one of those people like you Anna who has that clear direction and vision from very early on in your career you are probably thinking ahead and knowing that okay I have to spend at least a year maybe two years in the ICU can I do that quickly to where I don't have to spend, you know, two years in med surge, two years in telly. And that the same path that you are taking is the same path that I took as well. So when I graduated nursing school, I went straight into the ICU. So I did well. And I know that a lot of CRNA school applicants did the same thing, but it's a hard thing to do just with programs being competitive as far as like the new grad residencies. So there's a lot of nuances that goes into it. And It's been a while since, you know, I applied to these new grad programs. So you are the perfect person to be giving us sort of that inside scoop of everything that you've learned, all of the details that people could easily overlook. So that's what we're going to be chatting about today. So why don't we jump right in, go ahead and give us a brief introduction and tell us a little bit about where you are in your journey. Yeah, so I am currently in my last year of nursing school. I'm in a two-year program. And I call myself like a non-traditional student. I have a bachelor's in something else, and then I took a couple years off, and then I went back to nursing school. So I'm a little bit older than the traditional new grad, but I actually started pursuing critical care nursing because I just one day asked a nurse that I worked with in the hospital, I was like, what do you see me doing? Like, I'm, I'm at a loss, and it was like a year out from graduation, and I was like, what, like, what should I do? And she was like, you should shadow this rapid response nurse. So I shadowed a rapid response nurse 
and we went to all of the ICUs in my hospital and I was just like so infatuated kind of like with critical care medicine we got we sat this guy up at the edge of the bed he had all these different lines I was like this is insane like I think this is kind of where I would like to start and where I think I could see myself thriving and it was just it was kind of just like from there I was like all right I'm going to try to get into the ICU as a new grad so here I am. (laughs) Yeah and I think it's just really fascinating to see it's a whole new world and you are seeing these patients who are on multiple vasoactive infusions they're sitting up and they're ventilated sometimes right like some people who are waiting for lung transplants they're like yeah it's crazy and they're on you know continuous they're on CRRT they've it's can be really at times overwhelming but also just really fascinating to see how all the different medical interventions that you are doing how they're working together and how one thing affects the other, right? Right. You change your ventilator settings and then your (laughs) blood pressure plummets and you're kind of just thinking about everything at once and the little changes that you make can have such a big impact because these patients are so sick. So that's really interesting that the preceptor that you worked with could see that in you and she's like, okay, you're going to be an ICU nurse. Like go shadow, go shadow the rapid response, the rapid response team. Okay, so that... That's amazing. I love that. And so why don't we dive deeper into now the fact that you've decided you want to be decided you want to be a critical care nurse and now you're graduating. What are some things that you can do to better prepare yourself to get into the ICU straight out of school? So once you kind of knew that, oh, okay, like this is what I want to do. I want to be a critical care nurse. What started going off in your head? The gear started turning about, okay, these are the next things I need to start working on. Yeah. So I think that, I mean, having patient care experience outside of clinical, I think was something that really helped me like aid my journey into finding a new grad position. I know that on a separate piece, just knowing your job market, knowing like what hospitals and what like higher acuity hospitals are hiring around you and like, are they going to accept you as a new grad? So just even like Googling and and kind of figuring out like, where do I want to go geographically? And then also kind of pairing it with that piece of like, okay, so if I've been working in like a medical ICU, I know that I like these types of populations or if you have come from you know more of a surgery surgery floor that you can speak to like the experiences that you've had with like surgical patients so I think it's kind of like a two-part answer where you first have to know who is hiring and like where it's where they're going to receive you and be welcoming you into a new grad residency typically and then also yourself like knowing yourself if you really like pediatrics if you're going into a PICU or if you, you know, have seen like a neuro ICU and you really like the various like interventions that can go into like a neuro population. I think just getting yourself out there and like really understanding what it is that the ICU is, because I know that a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I just want to be an ICU nurse, but they haven't like worked in the ICU or shadowed or had a practicum experience. And so then when it comes to the interview, it's like, oh, why do you want this unit? And you don't have anything to say that happened to me because I applied very early on my last year. And they were like, why do you want to work in a neurotrauma ICU? And I was like, actually, I don't know. (laughs) I didn't say that, but I was like, I don't have an answer for this. I just need a job. But like just having those experiences, I think, will help. And then also just knowing your market would help as well. (laughs) Okay, got it. So when you say knowing your market and kind of investigating if the hospitals around you kind of accept new grads, are you literally going to their website and just looking at their job section and seeing if they have like new grad ICU positions and then that kind of clues off in your head like, oh, this is kind of like a bridge opportunity? Or is it more you talking to the nurses that you know and trying to get sort of like the insider knowledge from them? How are you How are you figuring out that, oh, okay, these three hospitals will have like a new grad residency program? Yeah. So for me, I knew I didn't want to stay in the state that I'm in. But I think if you are someone who does that, actually just talking to the managers or talking to those those nurses like in your actual building, like where you want to work, Mm -hmm. that would be super helpful. And even if they're not specifically hiring for like, say, the summer 
cohort of new grads, maybe they're hiring for the fall. And it's kind of all about like balancing newer nurses with the more senior nurses, because that's kind of the reason why they wouldn't be hiring new grads into the ICU. Sick facilities have to really balance out like who is going to be on night shift versus day shift. And that's the reason why my unit that I work as an aide on right now, that's, that's why they're not hiring new grads. So just asking those questions so you have the answer before you just kind of bank on having that one position at the end of nursing school would be super beneficial. And then in terms of like finding out um, about facilities that are out of your state, yeah, just Googling and they're going to have their website set up in like various different ways. So sometimes the requisition is very specific to that position. They're like, okay, we have a new grad labor and delivery like position. And that's for that one unit. And they already know the manager that's hiring into these roles. And it'll be like a direct interview with that manager. Some, I would say, bigger hospitals tend to have just like a new graduate overview, like over this like more general style or requisition. And you kind of have to ask the recruiter, like what units are hiring for this requisition, because they won't really say or specify. And what I've found is that just by sending in your application, the recruiter is going to call you or contact you like, you know, we're in need of nurses, somebody's going to contact you. And Mm -hmm. in that conversation, you can be like, hey, I'm interested in like the surgical ICU. Is this unit hiring? And just from asking that and like putting it out there, I've had recruiters be like, well, they only hire like two out of 100 applicants every year. And most of the time, they're people that already work on the unit. Or they're like, oh, yeah, we're hiring for all these different units. Specify on your application where you want to be. Sometimes they'll even have you rank it out. So like for me, I put all the ICUs first. And then I put step downs. And so mm-hmm. just like by putting your name out there, asking those questions, you're going to have like a better understanding of what the hospital is also looking for. And just know that not every single facility is going to have like a blanket requisition of like, this is for new grads. It's sometimes a little bit more nuanced than that. Or like you kind of have to like dig a little bit into the hospital's website. But mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in just, you know, firing off the questions if you have them. So emailing, calling, if it's a place that you really want to go, just even if they're not hiring for your exact graduation date, just putting your info out there. So they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I remember this person from like four or five months ago. And they're very invested in our facility. So let's hire them. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that I see the most success with that's the tactic that works the best and it's not even really a tactic it's just sort of a mentality that you have to have is just getting over it and like sending the email picking up the phone and calling like looking for the manager's email address on the website like it's out there and it's 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 beneficial for you to go ahead and yeah exactly shoot out all the emails and I was working with somebody else who's very similar, a friend of mine who's very similar in your position, looking for a new grad ICU positions here where I am. And, you know, these managers and these clinical coordinators, they want to hear from people who are interested. So, you know, I caught one guy in the hallway and I'm like, hey, I have somebody who's like interested in a new grad position. He's like, here's my cell phone. Here's my email. Tell him to email me his resume. Like, we'll get on a phone call. Like, they want to talk with you. So, I totally agree. It's like, get over it. Let's put out, let's email people. Let's just dive in. Cause you know, the worst case scenario is they say no, you know, and if you don't ask, you already have a no already. So you learn something. So diving a little deeper into the fact that it's true. We know that a lot of people who are already on the units, either as a ward clerk or a tech or a nursing assistant, that is traditionally just the quickest way to land that new grad ICU job because managers already have that no like and trust factor with you and so you were a CNA when you were in nursing school is that right yeah I actually started before nursing school as a medical assistant which is basically the same thing but outpatient and I was a little reluctant to take my CNA exam because I was like I already have this job that for some reason at my facility like paid better than the CNA job and so in the middle of the summer last year, because I already had taken Med Surge 1, I could test out of the CNA licensure, which I think is pretty much across the board for all nursing schools. So if you've gone through like Med Surge, the first year can test out. You don't have to take the CNA or LNA or whatever they call it. 
that exam in the middle of the summer, I was like, okay, I really want to get into critical care. This was like happening at the same time as when I shadowed that rapid response nurse. And so I drove like three hours to take my exam. And I was like, this is for, this is for the plot. Like I'm doing this. I have to. That test was actually canceled. The preceptor didn't show up. And I was like, this is just like so insane. And so I rescheduled my test. I had already been in contact with the ICUs and that rapid response nurse. I was like, which one should I go to? And she kind of steered me in different, in like a a direction that I ended up loving. And then, yeah, I sat for the exam and am now a CNA. Still work as like an MA technically sometimes. All of it kind of comes full circle because the people that you're seeing inpatient, you also see outpatient. More on that later. (laughs) But, um, and I think that it was just something that I kind of had to like bite the bullet and do because I knew that even though I was leaving my facility that I'm in right now, it's going to look very, like, it's going to look very aligned to have this experience while applying to ICU jobs, if that makes sense. Totally. It does make sense. And that is really sort of what we try to do when we're applying to CRNA school as well. It's like, why do you want to be a CRNA? And it's not just oh, well, because I, you know, really want to do anesthesia and then nothing on your resume or nothing on your personal statement really paints that picture of like, it's a believable story, right? So it does all tie together with your why and why you want to get into the ICU. So, so let me ask you this. Do you think there are a lot of people in your hospital or even people on your unit who are in the same position as you, where they are graduating nursing school? Like this is a pretty common path that you're seeing amongst your peers there who they're nursing as they're currently working as nursing students while they're in school, nursing assistants while they're in school. Yeah, I would say that's, that's pretty common. I mean, I'm in a location that we see about like three or four different nursing schools rotate in that hospital. So it's going to set you up for success anyways. It's like making those relationships and connecting with managers on any floor that you rotate. You're, you can be like, oh, I'm also a CNA in this floor. And like, I know this person. And it's just like helpful for the clinical experience as a nursing student anyway, just because you can be like familiar with your own hospital and know people who know people, which is always helpful. And I will say another thing is when I was in my first year of nursing school, I'm a huge planner and I reached out to the recruiter for who I knew was in charge of like the new grad residency. And I said, okay, for these specific units, like ICU, ED, LND, those are the things I thought I was interested in. I was like, what do you see like, competitive candidates having? And she was like, for LND, nothing you don't need to have anything but some experience related would be helpful she said for ICU and for ED EMT experience or you know patient facing experience is helpful so and I even see that crossover a little bit with other requisitions for ICU like EMT is sort of something that they would also suggest so say like your last couple months of nursing school or something and you are not a CNA in the ICU but you're an EMT like you're still seeing critical patients and you're also Sometimes you're the, that person, if like you're an ED tech, that's bringing them up from the ED to the ICU. So I would say like something that's more along the lines of what you want to do, if you have a support staff role that's in that type of unit or floor, that's going to be very beneficial. But yeah, and to your point, I do see like a lot of nursing students kind of work where they kind of can see themselves as an RN. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's such a good way to bridge a gap and also make connections because I'm sure as you know it's the connections that are it's what's going to take you far and can get you even further even when you're applying to CRNA school and you want to get an interview you know if you meet somebody that's that can go miles right so that's great so when you were when you're in nursing school and you're working how first of all how are you balancing that work study balance how how many hours are you working what's feasible for like you personally yeah for me personally I worked full-time my first semester of my last year so that was like 36 hours 312 that's just what fit into my schedule and it was also just so I could really like dive into the ICU I hadn't been in the ICU prior prior to it I didn't have any rotation or anything so for me that's what worked it kind of kept me on a schedule I just switched to PRN which is helpful for this schedule because I'm actually now doing 12 12 hour shifts for my clinical so I was like okay like I can't really do 48 hours in the hospital but I think it all depends on what kind of learner you are it also takes planning so if you're thinking of working full-time or even part-time it really requires 
planning, just knowing that you have to also pass nursing school is something that should be on the forefront of your mind when you're even interviewing for CNA positions. Just letting the manager know up front, like, I am a student, and you don't have to say it as harshly as, like, this is what comes first, but just be like, I prioritize being a student, but I also would love to work here. And, I mean, a good manager is going to be like, okay, great, like, we love students, which is what I heard on my interviews, and, like, it just, it was a great fit. What can be tricky is if they're only hiring for, like, night shifts. Obviously, you're not doing night classes, so you're going to have to flip-flop a little bit. And that was one of the the deal breakers when I interviewed for the medical ICU. They only had night shift positions open, and I was like, I really can't see myself flipping back and forth. It was not going to be healthy for, for my brain. <laughs> No, absolutely not. It's it's really difficult to do that. And you know, some hospitals have will have like an evening shift, like three to eleven. I think that could work. But yeah, right. doing the overnights, it's like you really can't show up to yeah. class the next day and be expected no. <laughs> to absorb like pathophysiology stuff. So right, yeah, that that's definitely a good choice. And truthfully, managers like to hire students as support staff because. They, they do know it's going to be an easier transition for them one day if they do decide to hire you. Also, it it's a continuous, you know, feeling each other out, seeing, okay, are you a good employee as a nursing assistant? Because if you are, then great, we're going to, we're going to make a position for you when you graduate. So, yeah. I mean, granted with, with their staffing and budgets and if they accept new grads, <laughs> but typically managers have, you know, they, they like to hire potential nurses in that way because it's a testing period for them. So I think it's, it's an incredible opportunity. And even if you just work an eight hour shift a week, or if you're just PRN and you're picking up once every two weeks, that's still going to be valuable experience. So even though you were in the ICU and you're in nursing school and you are a nursing assistant, did you find that you wanted to shadow a CRNA as a nursing student? Like, how did you, I guess, first get introduced to the profession? And then did you feel that you were ready to shadow? Or, like, tell us a little bit about kind of, yeah, your introduction to what the what CRNAs are. Yeah. So I actually... <laughs> I, the way that I found out what a CRNA was, was actually in high school. I had applied to nursing school the first time I went to college and I was working at a restaurant and my manager was somebody who was actually like working in like college admissions for like Vanderbilt or something. And she was like, she's like, why don't just, why don't you just be a doctor or a doctor of nursing? And then I was like, is that even a thing? And then I Googled like doctor of nursing and CRNA came up. Obviously it's like so like ubiquitous for like the most like paid profession for nurses, whatever. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. that's interesting that you can get a DNP. And I kind of, that was like kind of in the back of my brain. And then I went to, I actually started an undergrad as a nursing major and then I switched out, which is like kind of wonky on my part. But my senior year, I tore my ACL and I had to have like a full reconstruction. And I had a CRNA who happened to be like one of my classmates dad as the anesthesia provider and I was very nervous for this because I was just like I've never had a major surgery before and he was like you know like just imagine yourself in the most like calm place you can be and like you're on a beach and you're just relaxing and laying down in the sand and the sun is coming down and I was just like boom my surgery's over I was like what happened so that was an experience that I (laughs) was introduced to and from then I was like okay I'm gonna go back to I'm gonna change careers and I'm gonna go back to school and I started looking into advanced practice nursing because now I had these like little tidbits of like okay my manager in high school was like be a DNP even though she I don't know where she got that information from and then I had this experience a great surgery experience and at first I was looking into PT because I had a great PT experience as well. So I started looking into like advanced practice nursing and I wanted to shadow these people as much as possible just to prepare myself for when I was in undergraduate nursing school. Just so I'm like, at least if I know what their role is like, I can like either check it out or cross it off. Like I don't want to do that. So I shadowed an FNP and I also worked closely with AGACNPs, like the acute care nurse practitioners. And I appreciate their roles. I don't think it's for me. And then I just cold emailed like a bunch of CRNAs. And I was like, can I come in? This seems like I am not going to be allowed in the OR, but like, I'm just going to try. 
off. And um, there were a couple that got back to me and they were like, yeah, come on in, like see what it's about. And so I actually shadowed prior to working in the ICU. And then from that shadow experience, I was like, okay, I know this is where I would like to be. So there's a huge benefit to shadowing early. Not only are you going to meet some amazing people, but you're just going to have more experiences to talk about in your resume and your personal essay. And even when you meet people, you're going to be like, I've shadowed since I was in nursing school. Like, I know this is what I want to do. And you bring up a really good point about CRNAs really being excited to share about their profession and being really motivated to be like, you should go to CRNA school. Like, if this is not just me, but many people who are CRNAs, when we learn about where there are ICU nurses that we work with in our hospitals or friends, people are so excited. Like we get so excited. Like, oh, you want to go to CRNA school? Like, oh, tell me everything. Like, did you do this? Did you do that? Like, it's it's really something that we're proud of and, and it's very unique. So people are going to have that experience when you go to like your AANA state meetings, which is a big thing that we talk about in the accelerator program is really pushing people to go and show up because I think there's this thought that we're going to walk into a meeting and that everybody's heads are going to turn and people are going to be like, who is that? Why are they here? But like really in reality, like nobody, like it's that spotlight effect, right? We always think people are looking at us. Um, but in reality, A, they're not going to even notice that you're there. B, they're going to assume you're a CRNA. B, you could probably not say a word to anybody and nobody would even know that you've showed up. But but at the end of the day, as soon as you start talking to people, they're going to be like, whoa, like you're in nursing school or you're an ICU nurse and you're here like and you're trying to learn about being a CRNA. Like, I wish I would have done that. Or like, let me introduce you to my manager or this program faculty member. Like this has been, that's a theme that everybody who attends their state meeting, they come back and tell me that. They're like, oh, I'm at the program director here. They said they were excited to see me for their interview. They're going to look out for my application. So the fact that you're already comfortable with putting yourself out there is is just going to take you so far. So I, I'm so proud of you for that. That's great. So Anna, because you decided not to stay in the state that you are currently living in and you wanted to apply to nursing jobs out of state, how did you go about finding those new grad residency programs out of state? And like, talk to us about the experience of talking to like a recruiter. Because when I applied and did new grad residencies, I did not talk to any recruiters. I was just <laughs> emailing the hospitals themselves and like filling out an application. So talk to us a little bit about like the recruiter process and like doing out of state searching. Yeah, I so I literally just googled like new graduate nurse residency ICU twenty like twenty three. You know, if obviously if you're graduating the end of this year, you could say like winter twenty twenty three, or if you're graduating next year, like spring twenty twenty four. And that should just pop up like all of the. You can change even on Google like your location, but that should just pop up all of like the different hospitals that have posted those requisitions and. As far as out-of-state goes, it is tricky because you don't know those hospitals well. Obviously, you know, like, big-name hospitals, and you can, like, go to, I think it's, like, USA Today, like, the best hospitals in the world. You can kind of, like, look at, like, where those hospitals are geographically and then kind of base yourself off of, like, big cities if you want to go to a big city or even by, like, teaching facilities. I would say, like, the bigger colleges tend to have, like, a corresponding medical center next to them if they have, like, a medical school. So I would kind of, if I were looking again, I would go based off of either the more well-known hospitals or hospitals in an area that you know has like a bigger teaching facility or medical center. It doesn't even have to be based off of the trauma level. I would say that like, you know, some of the top hospitals in the country, they don't have a trauma designation. So not necessarily always going off of trauma level, but just kind of researching a little bit, like what type of hospital is this and like what is the area as well? And just like trying to get a good understanding of what what the area looks like in the population and like what types of ICUs they have. Those are all great questions you can bring to the interview as well for the managers and, and whoever. As far as going with like the conversation that happens between yourself as a candidate and the recruiter, that is really kind of like the gateway into getting your interview because there are some recruiters that I know are kind of filtering out who they're going to interview and who 
who specifically is interviewing you. So the, the recruiters that I talk to, they ask me straight up, like, what, what unit do you want to interview for? Like, what are you looking for? Where are you coming from? That sort of thing. And some of them were like, well, we only really interview people, you know, have worked in the ICU part-time for the past year or so. Like, it wasn't that specific, but it was like a certain number of hours. Or they're like, we're only really looking for people who have, like, a senior practicum in the ICU if they're going to be interviewed by the ICU managers. So it's good to really just have that initial conversation with the recruiter so you know exactly what those managers are looking for. And some websites have a little calendar where you can like schedule a call with a recruiter. Um, and it doesn't even have to be like you sent your application in already. You could just be like, hey, like, is this facility hiring for this? And they could be like, no, or they could be like, oh, in a couple of months. And I think some of the bigger facilities, you can see that they have like, what do they call them? Like FAQ sessions or open house sessions for new graduates specifically. And if you just like get on their email list, they'll email you when that's happening. And then you can just go sit on a Zoom call with, you know, you and 30 other new grads and, and ask all the mm-hmm. questions that you need to, because they know that you're going to have. <laughs> so those mm-hmm. are always really helpful. And it's a little less intimidating than just talking one-on-one with a recruiter, I'd say. When you're finding these recruiters information, is this on the hospital's website itself or is it like a third party? I'm thinking of like indeed.com, but like, is it kind of like a third party, like recruiter site or is this directly tied to that hospital, like on their site? It kind of depends. I can dive into like some very specific examples for um, like New York City area hospitals. They barely have anything about new graduates open. And so what I have heard and seen on different forums is that people like literally looked up like LinkedIn profiles and email recruiters that way. You have to do some okay. digging. So you have to see like the recruiting sessions. If, if like different hospitals have like these like new graduate sessions, sometimes they'll be like, or email and it will be like the recruiter's email. Other times mm-hmm. you get the contact info after you've already applied. Sometimes if you just put in like a general application, then somebody will contact you and be like, okay, let's set up a time to talk. It really is a little bit, you know, time intensive. You're going to have to sit down and be like, okay, if these are the four hospitals I want to apply to, like, how do they actually hire new grads? And it's, it is a little bit, you know, more of like a detailed oriented oriented process, but um, it's, it's definitely worth knowing because if you're just firing off applications and not really being specific to that hospital, you could get overlooked or there might just be like, you know, other people that are more specific that have gone through the process of like really trying to understand and follow the directions that are on the new grad website. So I would say make sure you're in a not in a time crunch where you're trying to just scramble to get a job, but really understand the, the specific requirements of, of the hospital. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of a similar thing when I was applying to school. Every new grad residency program had a page, had the requirements, had the open date and time that the application opened. And I applied to like 10 different new grad residency programs. A lot of them I had stumbled upon when the application had already been open for a while and never heard back from, from those, even though I had everything. And then the ones, the one hospital that I like set my alarm for, I remember waking up at like four in the morning in Hawaii, had my folders ready to go. As soon as the application opened, I uploaded everything. And that was the only place I got a, an interview at, which was at UCLA. And now I don't know if that had anything to do with it specifically. It was very competitive at the time when I was applying. Jobs were hard to come by. Everybody was graduating nursing school and taking a job as a tech, as a CNA. It was very challenging to get that RN position. So now it's a little bit different. You know, we're, we want more nurses working. So you have more of that recruiter pathway. So that's not really something that I'm familiar with is like talking to recruiters. And I think a lot of travel nurses are very familiar with talking to recruiters and going through that way of them vetting the process. But it is kind of a different thing when you're just entering the nursing workforce. You're like, okay, I'm just graduating. If you didn't have like a a job before, it can be very intimidating to be like, oh, I have to get on the phone with a recruiter. Like, what does this mean? Am I committing to anything? Like, what's going on? So that's, that's super helpful. And I think you make a really good point about every hospital being different and just really not assuming that it's going to be easy to submit your application. It's 
you're going to need to request certain things and, you know, they might have different requirements and all sorts of things. So it's definitely worth looking up ahead of time. But I also wanted to circle back to one thing that you said that was very true is that it's less important to focus on the trauma designation. And it is very important to look at these bigger hospitals, these specifically hospitals that are either tied to universities as teaching institution or just these very well-known hospital names in general. When you work at a teaching hospital, you are going to be exposed to so many learning opportunities as far as like research goes and as far as new initiatives coming out. You know, every hospital or university tied hospital wants to do research and that is a big thing for them they want to be known for something they want to come up with a new program or a way of doing things there's a lot of money that goes into it so if you are wanting to do more of like a leadership role or you know if you have the insight that you want to go to crna school and you know that you're going to want to get you know all these extracurricular experiences specifically applying to those teaching hospitals and those bigger names that you had mentioned, to me, that is more worthwhile and more important to seek out than, yeah, that level one trauma center. So that was really good advice that you brought up because when I worked at UCLA, I mean, our unit was involved in so many different research projects, like and initiatives and my manager was constantly saying, okay, we need somebody like a team lead for this. We need somebody to volunteer for this community. And we're like, oh, we don't like everybody was like, no, nobody wants to do it. But me, I was like, yes, yes, yes. Right. Like, because I had my own, you know, secret agenda going on that I wanted to, to do. Right. But those hospitals are going to give you a lot of really good opportunities. And, you know, I'm not saying that you can't get into CRNA school being at a smaller community hospital. It's just going to take a lot more effort on your part to really seek out those opportunities that might just be easier for other people to get at, at bigger teaching institutions. So that was a, re a really good tip that you brought up there. So you have a lot of experience job hunting. You've done a lot of research. You're reading all the forums. You're doing all of the things. So what are some red flags that you have come across when you're looking for a new grad positions that you think people should be aware of or just take a second look at? Yeah, I think kind of going along with what you're saying about teaching hospitals is that usually those are going to be the hospitals that are well-equipped to take on new graduates, and they have a well-established new grad residency. And I think that you can kind of filter out those red flags during your interview. I did an interview once where they kind of had to cancel in the middle of it because the manager was being pulled to the floor, which to me would be a red flag because it's like why are there not enough staff nurses to, you know, staff the floor? Maybe they just were really down bad that day. But I think if you're someone who's applying from out of state, it's very hard to kind of gauge what the floor is going to be like. So if you do have the opportunity to like go walk on the floor and look at the patient population, that's very helpful. Just understanding, I mean, there's lots of different red flags that can come up, but Understanding the patient population is one thing. So, you know, if they say they're in ICU, but everyone is like not intubated and eating and basically like a, a floor patient, like I would say if you're trying to pursue, you know, a graduate career at some point, maybe that's not the highest level of acuity. That could be a red flag. I would say if they talk about how the most senior nurse on their floor is like a four-year senior nurse, like maybe that's also a red flag because it might indicate like a high turnover or, you know, people are always leaving. I did ask a staff nurse. I didn't ask at the interview, but I asked a staff nurse to speak to a staff nurse and ask her about travelers, if people are supportive of, you know, people going on to a graduate degree or changing units. I asked about, you know, do you feel like as a new grad, I'm going to be, you know, able to support myself in this city. Just knowing the financial aspect that can come into you moving, you might not know like the cost of living of that town, but really reaching out to that staff nurse on their unit, just about those kind of more like personal questions, like where to live, what like is the cost of living reasonable for what you're being paid? I mean, you don't have to ask them like that 
like straight out of a question, but I think just knowing that there are things that you need to look out for for yourself and just asking to speak to a staff nurse, they should always say yes, because, you know, if they're conducting a good unit, like, and people are happy and satisfied there, they should be like, yeah, more, you're more than welcome to talk to, you know, a person that's worked here for, you know, two or three years. I think as far as orientation goes and training, there's lots of different types of orientation. And a red flag for me was something that I think an orientation they had told me was like going to be about 12 weeks. And I just didn't feel comfortable diving in to take my own patients, especially because this was a, a hospital or a facility that didn't have like a mandated patient to staff ratio. So they were like, you probably will have two, maybe could have three <laughs> patients. And I was like, I don't want to be tripled after, you know, three months of orientation. And just like looking out for yourself and knowing yourself as a, as a learner and, you know, as a soon-to-be nurse, like, what are you comfortable with? There are other orientations that I heard about that were like, it's 20 weeks long, but after week 14, you're kind of on your own. You just have somebody that you can like phone a friend. So I didn't consider that a 20 week long orientation. It sounded like more like 14. Um, I think, yeah, lots of different red flags that can come up and you can kind of filter them out as you go with just asking those questions and really trying to gauge like the culture of the unit and even the culture of the, the city that you might be moving to if you're, if you're moving. I thought those were really good questions, asking about the most senior nurse, asking about feeling supportive as a new grad, and and staff nurses will really be able to tell you honestly, like, oh, you know, I'm surprised we're hiring new grads, you know, our unit isn't really the best for that, or, oh, yeah, you know, we're we're pretty short-staffed, so, yeah, I can see why we're taking new grads, you know, like, they'll, they'll say things like that, so I think talking to a nurse on the unit is huge, and that's incredibly smart, and looking at, yeah, how many travelers are they getting, and yeah, what is, what is the satisfaction of, of the people on that unit? So when you are looking at these orientation formats, are you finding that a lot of them will actually have like classroom time or maybe one day a week you're doing, yeah, a three hour class with the, the CNS or is it purely just on the job training? Did they give you any insight to the format of the orientations? Yeah, so the facility that I'm going, I took a job at now and the facility that I'm actually coming from, they both have like unit specific classes to learn um, critical care. And then they also have like a new new grad or like a residency class that might meet for an hour or two hours. And that's kind of just like, how is it going? Like, how do you feel? More of like the like emotional personal based work that goes into starting a new job I think that you know again it's something that you can kind of gauge with your interview one of the interviews I sat on I did like five interviews so I have a lot of variety but one of the interviews that I was on they said like we train our new grads on like ECMO and LVADs and all these different things. And like, that's a class you're going to see. Like, that's something that we're going to like put you into your first year. That's not the case in all ICUs. So I think like just knowing what comes along with your residency is going to vary by facility is important. I think that knowing that, you know, if they're orienting you and you're taking like a pretty stable double, and then that's kind of the only thing you see for the next year, that's important to know too. Like, one of the facilities that I interviewed at, they the staff nurse said, oh, we have dialysis techs that run our CRRT. Like, we don't touch those machines. So just, like, knowing what are you actually going to learn and then when do you learn it, that's going to kind of indicate what type of orientation you'll have. Like, if they're very against you taking a sicker patient in, you know, your first six or eight months or so, then... I think that would be important to kind of feel out. Obviously, don't say, like, am I going to be getting, like, high-acuity patients or, you know, like, you don't have to be that aggressive with it, but just, like, understanding, like, oh, if you've been a nurse here for two years, like, do you know how to, like, run these advanced life support devices, that sort of thing? Like, are you being trained to do this or are you so short-staffed that they haven't done any training, like, something like that? So, I mean, obviously, I wouldn't say you're so short-staffed, but just knowing that, like, is this in my trajectory of even, you know, my ICU career? If I take a job with you, am I going to see those devices at all? And that will kind of, you know, give you a good understanding of like, what is your orientation really? Is it learning just, 
you know, your stable <laughs> ICU patients or is it, you know, obviously they don't, they're not, they might not stay stable, but is it learning like all the devices and all of the different things that go on intervention wise in the ICU that's different than the floor? Exactly. It's asking, yeah, what, what after a year of me being here, am I going to, what is my day-to-day going to look like? You know, am I going to have the opportunity to even be involved in any precepting of new graduates who are in my position? Is there yeah, room for me to yeah take on those devices that you were saying. That's really interesting about the CRT and the techs running those. I can see that being really, you know, usually in the ICU, those patients are one-to-one patients. So I could see that being a move to free up nurses to take on two patients. Exactly. Like where I worked, it was, they were just like one-to-one patients, right? You're like, yes, I got the CRT yeah. patient. But now they're like, no, you got to take two. So that's, that's, that's really helpful. So when you were interviewing and hearing all of these different you know, pitches essentially from all these ICUs wanting to get you to, to work with them. What were some of the differentiating factors and tipping points, or maybe it was, you know, a bunch of them, but what ultimately led you to choosing the position that you accepted at the hospital you accepted? I would say the factors that I chose from, I think had to do with just how organized they were with the interview process. I mean, it sounds kind of silly, but like just the fact that they were, it was a nurse that called me first. She wasn't even a manager. She was just like, I guess a recruiter, but she was a nurse. So she was like, you can talk to me in nursing language. Like, tell me what you've done. Tell me your experience as a tech in the ICU. I want to set you up for success. I want you to succeed. And just knowing that on that end, like they have a nurse talking to like potential candidates was actually really like reassuring to me that like all the way through, I mean, I'm I'm at least hoping that, you know, I'm going to feel supported like this. And so then first it was her and then it was another nurse that interviewed me. And I think that the interview was very well-rounded. It was a lot of, you know, patient experience questions, but then also just, um, kind of like, where am I coming from as a candidate? And so they got to know me really well as like a candidate. And she was like, this is actually a certain floor that I think you would be a good fit on. And it was kind of like, let's match you here. And I'll give my, you know, little anecdotes to the manager. And if you don't feel like that's a floor you want to be on, we'll try again and we'll try a different floor. So I think it was very personalized and I felt supported. And that's kind of what led me to choose this job based off of the other interviews that I've done, they felt more rushed. It felt more like, okay, let's just get you in here and (laughs) do it. And Mm. it didn't feel as, as supportive. And and I think that, you know, if your first impression of a hospital or unit is that you're not feeling supportive, I don't think it's going to go well in the, in the future. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And the transition from being a nursing student to your first RN job is really huge. And I remember being like, I, even though I did, you know, my ICU clinicals, I, it's just different. You, there is so much on the job training. So having that support is really crucial. And just yesterday in the cafeteria, when I was eating dinner, there was this nursing student talking to her preceptor at the table next to me. And I couldn't help but over here. She was just like, I'm just struggling with pharmacology. Like she was on a med search floor and she was telling him that she was like, you know, I learn about these drugs in school and then I learn about them at clinical and then I go home and then I just forget it. It's just, I'm having a hard time. And he was just so patient and reassuring. And he said, you know what? There's resources for you here. We are all having to look up meds all the time. And he was just supporting her and he was just encouraging her and being like, it's okay. You're not going to be a terrible nurse. Like pharmacology is hard. (laughs) And it was just a really sweet picture of like, yeah, a support system and him just being like, you're good. Don't worry. We've all been there. And I think when you are transitioning from nursing school to your first job and even from the ICU into CRNA school, having that person on the other end being like, I hear you. It's okay. You are not the first person to feel this way. You're not the last person to feel this way. This is why we do the things that we do. This is why we have this, you know, 14, 16, 20 week orientation. And we have these classes is because we hear the same thing from other people before you. So Going with your gut feeling and listening to that voice that says, you know what, I got a really supportive vibe from from these people and they don't seem so desperate and pressured to just get me to sign the dotted line is a, is a really big thing. So is there anything else, and in, in summary and wrapping this up here, is there anything else that you think would be helpful for the new graduate nurse or even the nurse who's trying to get into the ICU? Anything that you've learned that you just kind of want to reiterate or 
leave them with some words of wisdom or just anything that we didn't chat about that you would want to share? Oh, yeah. Well, I'd say for new grads, something that I kind of forgot to touch on was the fact that you can do internships or externships as a nursing student in the ICU, and you can, like, vocalize that you want to be in the ICU. It's not something that my program offers. I forgot to say this, but, like, that's something that also was weighed very heavily on the requisitions that you – it was either, like, work experience or externship, internship. And then, obviously, I'm not a – a staff nurse yet and I haven't done like med surge or you know come from a different background but I think what I've seen is that and heard is that you know no time is wasted so even if you are like in med surge or if you're on a step down like that's not wasted time you're still able to transition into the ICU if you decide that CRNA or like acute care NP if that's like for you you can obviously get that job I think when people look at like ICU, they think it's like, oh, this is like a specialty that's only for this certain type of person. But I really see it as like med surge is a specialty too. Like you are still learning how to care for patients. And a lot of the times you see these patients kind of coming down from ICU to step down to floor and, or, you know, like you're always seeing these patients somewhere along their journey. So I don't think that I would ever consider like, you know, if you only have an offer in a med search floor that that's going to be wasted time or anything. If it's just something that's in the cart, like not in the cards for you at this point, I don't think that would be, you know, something to be ashamed about or like you need to get out quickly. But I think that with, you know, if you are considering CRNA or if you are considering just critical care as like one of your goals, like it doesn't hurt to just kind of put yourself out there and just be like, Hey, I want to go to the ICU as a new grad. Like I'm going to do it. So yeah, just understanding your why and knowing that you can, that you can do it. Totally. And, and again, just to reiterate the point you made, you're right. No time is wasted. And all the skills that you learn in med surge and in tele or in the cath lab or in the OR, those things are all going to just make you a more valuable candidate when you do apply to the ICU. You know, there's a different pool of applicants. If you're an internal hospital employee trying to get to the ICU, that could be a quicker pathway, you know, spending six months or eight months in tele could be quicker than applying for all these new grad ICU jobs for six, eight months. Right. And then you're still not accepted. So absolutely no time is wasted. And at the end of the day, it's, it's everybody's own personal journey and everybody's own path to whatever they're meant to be doing. So it's a good reminder for us to just put our blinders on and not be comparing ourselves because on social media, we all put our best foot forward, right? Even I'm guilty of that. You're, you're only seeing the highlights. You're only seeing people's achievements. You're not seeing when people get the no's, the rejections, you know, that this didn't work out for me type of thing. So everything you've shared with us has been really helpful, Anna. I so appreciate you. I know you have a lot of good things in your future. And so whether our listeners are in nursing school, applying to a new grad ICU position, or even transferring, this episode is definitely going to help them and has a lot of gems. So thank you so much, Anna, for being here. And I will be talking to you soon. Thank you for having me.